Guys, welcome to Mission Uplift. I'm Jen, and I'm thrilled to have you here for another episode. But if you haven't already done so, check out episodes one and two, where I share the heart behind all of this and set the virtual tone for our future chats and conversations. Sometimes it will just be me here, but other times, a lot of the time, a friend will stop by to share an uplifting story or testimony. And we have a number of incredible interviews that start next week. Today, it's just me. And I thought I'd share something pretty foundational to this podcast and, well, everything. So here we go. Today I'm sharing another story, which is absolutely crucial in order to understand a little of my own story. I'm all about stories, and you may have picked up on that by now. And so are the people who will stop by to share a snippet of their own stories in future episodes. The heart behind Mission Uplift is made up of uplifting stories, uplifting truth, and uplifting community. I've shared that before. And in light of that, it's only right to lift up a story that incorporates all of that. The stories, the truth, the community. And this story is the greatest story ever. Like, ever. And the uplifting stuff you'll hear in the future is only uplifting because of this great story. If you know me personally... Or if you stick around the podcast for a few minutes, you'll hear about Jesus and the Bible and being a Christian. But without an understanding of the Bible, an understanding of who Jesus is and why he came, why he died, why he resurrected, it just seems like a weird story. And you know what? I'm I'm not even going to lie. There's a lot of weird stuff in the story of the Bible. It is especially weird to us in the, in the Western world, in 21st century America, because the Bible was written in a completely different time frame, in another part of the world. So a lot of the key information goes right over our heads because we're not understanding the context. But when we break it down and look at the cultural context, the times, and see how it intertwines into our time, it's pretty mind-boggling in a really good way. Now, we're going to do a flyover, and we're going to talk about a few uh, key characters in the Bible who, what, where, when, why, how come. So here we go. We're starting off at the beginning, and we have God. He takes what is not yet created and speaks creation into existence. He's the creator God. And I'm talking light, stars, sun, moon, land, sea, animals, plants, vegetation, all of it. It started somewhere. And smack in the middle of all this is an amazing and beautiful garden. God thought all of this was good. However, his next creation, humanity, was made a little differently. And they were made in his image. Not only that, but these two people, a man and a woman, were given the opportunity to rule over this creation with him and on his behalf. They were commissioned to be a part of not only ruling over the creation, but continuing it with great meaning. And with that, God thought it was very good. This was a place of perfection and peace and partnership with God. This man and this woman, Adam and Eve, have all this access and authority. There was just one rule to abide by. They had access to this garden, but they were told to stay away from this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was a no-no. 
it was super dangerous and it would ultimately kill them. Now, at this point, they have no concept of what evil really is or good for that matter. I mean, they just know what they know, but they know God, like up close and personal, know God. And here in that garden, they were experiencing perfection. But like all of us, when we're told that we can't have something or do something, we want to know why, particularly when we're being tempted by it. And that's what happened. This creature pops up and asks if God really meant what he said. And he deceived Eve into taking a piece of this fruit, basically saying they would be the ones taking the knowledge of good and evil into their own hands rather than leaving it with the all-knowing, all-loving God. Pause for a moment. Think of a toddler wanting to touch a hot stove. And the parents say not to, but the kid's curiosity kicks in. The parents can't really explain in detail to a kid what burning hot means, or even the consequences of it in a way that the kid will understand. So, you know, parents say, trust mommy or daddy. And sometimes they'll say, because I said so. It makes perfect sense to the parent who knows what will happen, but to the inquisitive little kid, they just want to know why. So back to the garden. This creature rolls up to Eve and says she'll have all this power and freedom if she takes the fruit, that she'd actually be like God, which was a lie. But rather than listening to God and avoiding the tree, Eve takes the fruit and Adam takes it and immediately everything that God considered good at the time of creation was no longer good. Adam and Eve went from perfection to imperfection, from peace to unrest, and from partnership and fellowship with God to separation in an instant. It led to sin, and the consequences were pretty heavy. In fact, we're still feeling the effects. What was good became evil, and what was evil became quote-unquote good because they decided to take it into their own hands. Where they once knew no sin, sin is now all they know, not only in actions, but in their brokenness in the world. But even though there were these great consequences, God told Adam and Eve that one day someone would come to make all things right again, and they'd crush everything that the creature represented, which is sin. So that's sin that Adam and Eve experience. It spills over into their kids, into their kids' kids, and to their children's children's children, and on and on and on for generations. They're a hot mess. Fast forward, there's this couple, Abraham and Sarah. In response to all the sin and rebellion going on in the world, God is still considering his people. And despite the resistance, he still wants to partner with them. God tells Abraham that a new family will come from them a new people as numerous as the stars with their own land and all sorts of blessings. But what does that even mean? How do you wrap your mind around it? Well, he did. At least enough to go with it. God asked Abraham to trust him. And so Abraham believed God. But unbeknownst to Abraham, this covenant was actually part of the plan of salvation for all of humanity part of a plan for God to have a relationship with all people, not just Abraham and his family. Everyone would eventually be invited. It would just take a little while. Even the start of this took a little while. You see, God promised this to Abraham when he and his wife were pretty old, like way beyond possible to bear children. They got this message from him and waited around for a few decades 
But when Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90, boom, she has a son. The woman literally gave birth, 90 years old. It's like Guinness Book of World Records over here. Actually, it's a miracle. So the miracle son is named Isaac. Isaac has a son, Jacob, and Jacob was renamed Israel. He has 12 sons whose descendants become the 12 tribes of Israel. Israel. And throughout those generations, the promises God made to Abraham were reiterated and confirmed. It was not a secret to this family. But check it out. They were not perfect people because remember, perfection is impossible at this point. At times, this family does some pretty stupid stuff along the way. But God made a covenant promise with Abraham and was not going back on his word. So Abraham's family grows to be pretty large. They were clearly a people now, but they still didn't have the land promised to them. So the people around them in Egypt were not feeling it and ended up using them as slave labor for a really long time. It was really, really bad. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they were all faint memories to this extended family. But God had not forgotten. And so God raises up this guy named Moses who became Israel's deliverer. It's a long, crazy story how, which you're welcome to check out on your own. But the finale, wow. Everybody and their mother follows Moses out of Egypt, which they're getting out was a miracle in itself. But then this massive group is up against the sea with nowhere to go. And the Egyptians realize they should have never let them leave. So they were close behind them now. Then this happens. God leads Moses to raise his staff and suddenly he parts the sea. And the ground it opened up to was completely dry, which allowed them to walk right through. That's crazy. So they walk through and they get to the other side to safety. God takes care of the oppressors. And then the Israelites begin the next part of their journey to their land. Along the way, God provides this list of laws. We know them as the Ten Commandments. And through Moses, he asks that they listen and obey. These Ten Commandments were guidelines of living in relationship with God and with one another. If they partner with God and go for it, great. They'll get blessings in return, all of them. But if not, then no blessings. Back then, in order to connect with God and make things right when they broke the rules, which was all the time, the family would have to go to follow this strict series of steps. They couldn't talk directly to God, but they had to go to a priest once a year so their sins could be atoned for. It was a whole thing. And quite honestly, while there may have been moments of sincerity, on a grand scale, the whole thing became religious and ritualistic because they went right back to doing their thing anyway. Though a way was provided to connect with God and for things to be made right, it wasn't true partnership, at least not in the way that God intended for it to be. Remember how Adam and Eve thought they'd be like God by disobeying his word? And as a result, they were no longer in partnership with him in the same way? Well, that basically sets the tone for the entire world and all of humanity. And while the people of Israel received that promise from God way back when, through Abraham, they still decided to do their own thing and resisted the opportunity to partner with God again. Are you seeing a theme yet? It's why it's so hard to grasp the concept of a relationship with God because the nature in every human being is um, to resist it. It takes a literal miracle to get this right. Well, even though the people of Israel weren't faithful to follow those laws, God was still faithful to his promise to Abraham. 
The family gets their land, and down the road a bit, they had a king named David. Just as God made this covenant promise with Abraham, he had some additional promises that he made with David. You see, David was known as a good king, but he wasn't perfect. Some people might have thought he'd be the guy who'd make everything right and crush the creature and all he represented. But because King David got caught up in some of that sin, he was not the one. Now, his story is wild, not G-rated in the least, not even PG-13. But he came back around because despite his mistakes, he did have a heart after God. And he told God that he wanted to do great things for him. But in response, God did a great thing for him. God told David that one of his descendants, someone from his own lineage, a great king, would one day bring peace and blessing and harmony, not only to the nation of Israel, but to all nations. Another amazing covenant promise. Despite all these great promises and blessings, Israel still went their own way. Idolatry, injustice, evil, you name it. And as a result, they got forced out of the land that was once theirs, and they were thrown into exile. Things are looking pretty bleak right about now for Israel. And they were bad for a while, a long while. However, through these dark years, God sent different prophets who let Israel know that God hadn't forgotten them or his covenant promises to them. And that one day they'd all be fulfilled. That Messiah King would come and restore everything, but on a much greater scale, much more than they could even fathom. Fast forward again. After a really long time, Jesus from a town called Nazareth came on the scene. And would you believe it? He was the fulfillment to these specific promises. He was from Abraham's family, a descendant of David. He was the only person capable of completely obeying this list of commandments that the Israelites struggled to keep. And Jesus goes around talking about a new kingdom where there is peace and justice and harmony and blessing, just like what was promised to David. He spends quality time with people and shares profound truths as though he was more than a carpenter guy from this small town. And he invites people to follow him. Some people started to believe he might be this longtime promised king. Not only that, but he began to heal people, set people free, and forgive them. It was wild because only God could do that. Oh, and by the way, he also was God. Yes, God. You see, there is one God who is three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Son, Jesus, came to earth as a human to be the fulfillment of all these covenant promises and prophecies because he knew there was no other way for people to get it right or to be in relationship with him and because he loved his people that much. You know that whole partnering with God thing? Well, God always kept his word, always even when his people didn't, and even as his people don't. And as a result, Jesus comes and provides this way for humanity to have a renewed partnership and relationship with God, because there was no other way for this to happen. But the way he would become king is by taking on all the sins of humanity, the sins that that creature from way back in the garden represented. And so he did by dying which is the whole reason for Jesus dying on a cross. But so all the people who followed him and grew to love him and believe him were crushed. They thought they finally had this promised king and now the guy was dead. Before that bite of the fruit in the garden, there was no death. But once sin entered in, 
so did brokenness and turmoil and death. In order for things to be made right, Jesus had to die. Otherwise, we'd have to, and there's no way we could make that right in our own strength. So Jesus is buried in a tomb. His loved ones are in agony, grieving and mourning this great loss. And then he's back! Jesus came back from the dead, came out of that sealed tomb, and was alive with all power and authority over sin and death. And as a result, those who believe in him have that same power and authority over sin and death. Without Jesus, humankind would have to pay the price for their sins, which is basically impossible. Because the list of stuff we've done wrong is enormous, and we'll never have the amount of money to pay it. The atonement requires death, and without it, it means living in that sin and eternal separation from this loving God who goes above and beyond to offer this opportunity for relationship with him. But that doesn't have to be our story. As a result of this amazing death, burial, and resurrection, this amazing sacrifice of love, those who believe in Jesus have the same power and authority over sin and death that he does. He gave his life so all of us would have what he has. After rising again and coming out of the grave, Jesus spent about 40 days back on the earth with his followers and gave them instructions to share this news about what he'd done. He wanted everyone to know and everyone to have access to it. He let them know he'd be leaving soon for a time, but that once he left, the Holy Spirit, who's also God, would remain on the earth with them to guide and comfort and empower them. And then Jesus ascended to heaven to be back with God the Father. But he made sure to mention to everyone that he would be back one day for that final fulfillment. Remember the beginning of the story with Adam and Eve in the garden, the version before the bite. Well, that was always the way God intended it to be, and when Jesus comes back, it will be that way. The creature and his sinful realm will be permanently destroyed, and God will make all things new, restored. The greatest story ever ends just like it started. Those who have chosen to partner with him will spend eternity with him in a restored heaven and earth where they can join him in ruling over this place of peace and perfection where God renews everything. No one will be sick. No one will cry. No one will struggle. There's no pandemics, no racism, no corruption, no depression, no poverty, only peace, perfection, and partnership with God. Along with a great multitude of people who the Bible says is from every tribe, tongue, and nation, they will worship Jesus forever a people who chose to make their story a part of this grand story. And we are given blessings on this side of eternity as well. For the rest of our days here and now, through Jesus, we can experience peace and joy and grace even in the midst of trouble and hardship in this broken world. And we get to lift up Jesus as King and share the most uplifting story ever. It's awesome. God is awesome. And his love for you is great. So no matter where you are in life and no matter what you've done, you got to know that God loves you. He loves you. When we read a good book or watch some epic film, it's not that hard to either identify with a part of it or even envision where our place in that story might be. Now, 
what I just shared may be a condensed version of the greatest story, but I still encourage you to consider the same, your place. I talked about our relationship with Jesus. Consider where your place in this story is, because there's a place for you. This was never meant to be a religious denominational affiliation. It's always been about relationship. In this great story, God's story, the most uplifting story, you can know the author, you can be a part of the family, and you can have purpose. In the weeks and episodes to follow, know everyone who stops by and shares something uplifting has realized that their story is a part of this great story, a story so much bigger than ourselves, and they've chosen to enter into the story. It's a story, like I said, where you can know the author and continue to get to know him. It's a story that provides you with instant family and community. It's a story with great meaning, one we get to live out with purpose, teach others about, and one that has this living and eternal hope. It's the story with the best ending, which is actually the new beginning. Often, if we're willing to consider this story, we might try to fit this all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing God story into our tiny little world. But God has so much more for us. It's not just checking off a box that you went to church or attended X amount of services or prayed some Hail Marys. If that's all this is about, then it's really small. No, we are a part of God's great story, the greatest story. Because remember, you have a place. And while the mission, which is the Great Commission, remains the same, God also has individual plans and purposes for us along the way. We're all different. He uniquely created each one of us and wired us with certain gifts and abilities. So participating in the great story doesn't rob you of your personality or uniqueness. It enhances it because now you realize how much bigger this really is, how much greater God really is. You see, we who are Christians don't participate in the story because we have to. There is a choice. We participate in the story because we get to. Because Jesus paid the price and paved the way for us to experience his peace and partner with him forever. And so we do so humbly, but willingly and joyfully. It's incredible. And now that I've experienced it, I want it for you. And so the question I want to leave with you today is where do you fit in God's great story? Take some time to think about it. There's something that all of us can take away from this story, no matter how many times we've heard it. Maybe this is the first time you've heard the story, or maybe you've been curious about it for a while, or you could have read the Bible from cover to cover without an understanding of the big picture. Even if you've known this for a long time, it's always amazing to take a step back to consider what this is all about. Wherever you find yourself in your life journey, I encourage you to consider this story and where and how you fit into it. Like I shared, there is a place for you, regardless of what you've done or where you've been. If you want to be a part, great. It's really simple. I did it when I committed my life to Christ almost 22 years ago. I said sorry to God for trying to take my life into my own sinful hands and attempting to take his place as God over my life. There's only one God, and the only way to him is through Jesus. And I also acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and that he died for all my mistakes and sins. 
that I believed he resurrected with power and authority over all of it so that we could be at peace with God and in partnership with him forever. That's it. Let me pray for us before we go. Father, thank you for your great love and your great story and the invitation you've made for us to be in partnership with you. It's humbling to consider your pursuit of us, even and especially as we fall short and screw up. Thank you for never giving up on us, even when others have and even when we've given up on ourselves. Father, for those who want to be a part of your grand story and call you Lord and Savior, I pray you would give them the courage to take the simple steps that I did so long ago, the choice to repent and believe you. Thank you that through Jesus' sacrifice, we have a way to come to you boldly and be in relationship with you, and that you give us the gift of community and purpose and joy and peace and so many other blessings in this journey with you. I pray for every person listening to experience your great love today whether it's the first time or the millionth time, because it it never gets old. You are good and you are faithful, and I thank you for who you are. Thank you for the greatest story ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to hang with me and to hear this story. Um, If you're interested, I'll include some helpful resources in the show notes, some books, the Bible app, and a link to this ministry called The Bible Project, which has a lot of really helpful creative videos that are free and help to learn and understand the Bible. Be sure to come back and hear some more uplifting stories. I'd love for us to stay connected, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Check us out at missionuplift.co, and find us on Facebook and Instagram. I look forward to next time. See you guys soon.